Namaskar. Welcome back to Krishna Said. Today I will continue with Shakuni's story. In part 1, you must have heard of Shakuni's entire clan murdered by Duryodhan for a perceived slight to his father, Dhritarashtra. In the Sarla retelling, Shakuni didn't start the first game of dice. Neither did he roll his dice for the last game. But he was the agent of his father's plan to destroy the Kauravas as destiny had willed it. And now, presenting Shakuni's Burden of Destiny, Part 2. I promise, I promise, the Kauravas will die one day, Shakuni said as Gandharsan lay dying in his arms. May the gods be with you, my dear son. Gandharsana said and breathed his last. With the death of his father, the light went out of Shakuni's eyes. He sat in the darkness, tormented in the cave of death, his mind visiting the darkest places he had never imagined. All he could think was how he was going to annihilate the Kauravas. His dead father's words echoed and re-echoed in his ears and he thought of how he was going to execute the plan. He wailed, he beat his fists on the stony walls, he brooded and he waited and he waited for life to take him back to the world just like his father said it would one day. He continued to eat the morsels of food brought to him by a female attendant. Little did he know on the other side of his prison, a small but significant action was taking place. One day, while Duryodhan was urinating under a banyan tree, one of its seeds flowed away on his urine. Duryodhan found it extremely funny. He looked up at the tree and thought of how massive it was and how strong it looked. Fierce winds couldn't sway it. Powerful storms couldn't uproot it. The tree was a wall of entwined and intersecting branches and trunk, formidable above the ground as it was underneath. Just one small berry-like fruit contained thousands of seeds, and yet one seed flowed away on his urine. The thought made him laugh. A female attendant who was nearby with a jar of water for cleansing purposes heard him laugh, and she too laughed, thinking her king was in a happy mood. What made you laugh? Was there a reason or are you making fun of me? Duryodhan said, looking angrily at her. My lord, I, I laughed because you did, the woman said. Then tell me why I laughed, Duryodhan said. Otherwise, I will chop off your nose and ears. Frightened at Duryodhan's threat, the maid said, I will tell you after the morning worship. Please let me go today. She was the maid that served food at the stone building from the day Gandharsen and his kin were made prisoners. The poor maid went to the prison with food once again. At the window, she called out, Is anybody there? Please take the food quickly. I have to leave. Tomorrow the king will punish me. Why will the king punish you? 
Shakuni's voice came from within the dark walls. I don't know. As usual, Kururaj was urinating under a massive banyan tree. He closed his eyes when he looked down. Then he looked up and he laughed suddenly. Hearing his laughter, I also laughed. And then he got angry and wanted to know why I laughed. Putri, don't worry. I know the workings of Duryodhan's mind. Just tell him. O king, the moment you were urinating under the banyan tree, its seed floated away on the flow of your urine at the same time. Looking at the size of the tree and the seed, you marveled at the nature of things and laughed. Shakuni said. Thinking that her life was saved, the maid went away happy. The next morning, the maid told Duryodhan what Shakuni told her. But Duryodhan wasn't convinced a woman of her station could give such an answer. I will give you wealth and jewels if you tell me who taught you to give an answer like that. If you keep your mouth shut, you will be put to death, Duryodhan said. The maid blurted out, There is a prisoner in the stone cave. I, I serve him food. He is the one who knows your thoughts and he could. He told me. Pleased and surprised at her answer, Duryodhan rewarded her with jewelry and wealth. He hastened to the prison he had built for his maternal relatives. He told the guard to open the heavy stone door. The stench of rotting flesh hit Duryodhan like a thunderbolt. Covering his nose, he called out, Who is alive in there? Answer me! Shakuni, who was in the dungeon, surrounded by skeletons and decayed bodies of his relatives that were half-eaten, covered with ants and nibbled by rats, replied. His voice echoed eerily within the empty walls. Not so long ago, the room was crowded with his relatives. His starved voice rang out in anger. You have murdered my entire family for no reason. All 196 are dead. You killer. All 196 are dead for no reason. Only I, King Gandhar Sen's son Shakuni, am shamelessly alive today. As soon as he said that, Shakuni saw Dushasana and Durjaya appear in front of him. They had come to take him. Duryodhan wanted to meet him. All of Shakuni's family, some skeletons he identified exactly where they had fallen, and some on their way to becoming ones lay like outcasts. His father's skeleton lay a few feet away. He was so unfortunate he couldn't even give his departed family the proper funeral rites. His heart cried within. Duryodhan's lack of empathy didn't surprise him at all. So it was time to avenge his family's death. He just nodded and before following his nephews out of the grim cave of death to his freedom, he collected his father's hand and thigh bones. His father said his bones, blessed by Ganga, carried the power to bring victory to the bearer in any game of dice. Mamu, you are brilliant. Your place is among the royals, not among corpses. I cannot give back your relatives, but
but I can appoint you as my chief advisor and minister in all the lands of Indraprastha, Yamaprastha, Hastinapur, Jayanta, and Baruna, Duryodhan said. Saying thus, Duryodhan anointed Shakuni on the spot with fragrant flowers and silk clothes. But Shakuni merely looked at his nephew with dead eyes. After Duryodhan ordained Shakuni as his minister, brought him to the palace in great pomp and splendor and lodged him in a palace, Shakuni put his plan into action. The first thing he did was to make dice sticks and dice cubes out of his father's bones. Then he waited for an opportunity to use them. Not once did it occur to him to gain wealth through the dice. He was driven by just one desire. He scored Duryodhan's loyalty and became the termite burrowing into his nephew's evil disposition, aggravating his temper and ill will against the Pandavas. Shakuni brainwashed the Kauravas into using every tactic to gain enmity with the Pandavas by infuriating Bhima, the most volatile and aggressive of all the Pandava brothers. He instigated Bhima should be fed poison sweets and drowned in the river. He also egged Duryodhan to build a house of wax for the Pandavas and burn them while they were sleeping in it. He was the only one of the three people who knew the Pandavas escaped that assassination attempt, the other two being Krishna and Vidura. But he kept quiet. He waited, patiently stalking, maneuvering, and manipulating his prey. One day, Shakuni was in court, flipping dice all by himself. It was Sesta time. Yudhishthira, the eldest Pandava, had come to visit King Dhritarashtra and Gandhari. Upon the king's urging, Yudhishthira went to each Guru family member and paid his respects. Shakuni knew Yudhishthira was extremely fond of dice and wouldn't hesitate to play a hand with an expert like him. But he didn't say anything. He kept rattling and throwing the dice in an effort to entertain himself. He noticed the eldest Pandava watch him form antiques with the dice. When Yudhishthira approached him to pay his respects, Shakuni smiled. Mamu, let's play a hand, Yudhishthira said, drawing out the pattern of the game on the floor with a piece of chalk. Gladly, son, said Sakuni, his face expressionless, but his eyes glittered. He was about to position himself when Duryodhan joined them. I want to play too, Mamu. I need some space, Duryodhan said as he edged Shakuni to the side and faced Yudhishthira. Shakuni shifted his position and sat between them like a referee. Take all the space you want now, nephew, Shakuni thought. Soon you won't have even that. Duryodhan, what do you want to wager? Yudhishthira said. Duryodhan removed some of the ornaments he wore and staked them. Yudhishthira did the same. Mamu, you are the witness. Both of us will call a number. 
If Yudhishthira has no objection, you will roll the dice for both of us, said Duryodhana. Yudhishthira nodded his head in approval. While this interaction was taking place between the brothers, Shakuni's mind was in a royal. Why not exploit the situation? The best way to put his father's plan into action would be to drive the wedge between his nephew and the Pandavas and twist it. The wager would be more than just gold coins and ornaments. It would be his ace in hand. The setup was perfect. His mind danced. Shakuni rolled the special dice. Whenever Duryodhan called a number, he won. Yudhishthira lost every one of the numbers he called. Neither of them realized Shakuni had tricked them. Passions flared and higher stakes were pledged. And Yudhishthira lost everything he wagered, his kingdom, his brothers, his wealth, and even his wife, Draupadi. Delighted at the turn of events, Shakuni gleefully instigated that Draupadi should be produced in the court. Duryodhan hesitated, for seeing a menstruating woman in public was inauspicious. Shakuni pushed. Nephew, she has five husbands, therefore nothing but a war. Such rules don't apply to her. She's your slave. Drag her into court and disrobe her. That's what she deserves, Shakuni said, knowing this action would propel Bhima to take terrible oaths against the Kauravas. It was an opportunity he couldn't lose. So Draupadi was dragged into court, covered only in a single piece of sari. As Shakuni watched Dusashana making futile attempts to disrobe Draupadi and Bhima raging like a bull gone mad, he knew there was no looking back. Draupadi's honor was saved by the miraculous intervention of the sun god, but the Korova's fate was sealed. After the debacle in court and the fires of retaliation diffused momentarily with the intervention of the gods and elders, the Pandavas went back to Indraprastha. Shakuni knew Yudhishthira would play again, for the humiliation of losing a dice game wasn't something Yudhishthira could tolerate. As if fate was waiting precisely for the day to arrive, Yudhishthira visited Dhritarashtra and Gandhari again, this time with his brothers. Shakuni took out the dice. Seeing the dice, Yudhishthira said, Sahadev, draw the pattern of the game on the floor. This time, a new dice will be used. Miraculously, a new pair appeared from nowhere. It was the dice of Dharma. Duryodhan said, Sahadev, you will throw the dice on Yudhishthira's and my behalf. The stakes this time are that the loser will forfeit his kingdom and any claims hitherto. Yudhishthira stipulated, I propose that the loser will be exiled to the forest for 12 years. Shakuni quietly interposed. One year of incognito living should be added to the wager, and if the loser is discovered, he will go into exile once again for another 12 years. 
Though Yudhishthira and Duryodhan were surprised at the severity of the proposal, they agreed to its conditions. Shakuni too was gambling on the fact that the harsher the wager, the higher the stake of enmity and rancor between the brothers. After all, he wasn't the one who invited Yudhishthira to play, nor set the wager. Yudhishthira's ego did. Either way, adding the incognito factor would ensure war. Sahadev rolled the dice of dharma. Yudhishthira still lost. The Pandavas went into exile for 12 years as per the wager. They remained incognito in the 13th year and when they came back, all they wanted were five villages. Shakuni told Duryodhan not to give them anything except two villages. He knew Yudhishthira would not agree. In this manner, he goaded and incited Duryodhan's hatred for the Pandavas until there were no choices left. War was the only recourse. For 18 days, the earth was soaked with blood of the Kauravas and those drawn into a war not of their making or choice. Shakuni knew everything he was doing was his responsibility and the war was his biggest wrong. Every one of the Kaurava clan lay dead or dying in front of him. Bhishma on a bed of arrows, Drona decapitated, Dushasana torn apart limb to limb, and Karna killed. Duryodhan's life hung on a string and it wouldn't be long before Bhima killed him. Shakuni was filled with sadness and remorse. When the aftermath of the war laid bare the terrible carnage and loss of human lives, he sought out Sahadev on the 18th day of war and engaged him in combat. Sahadev, the knower of the past, present and the future said, Mamu, why do you want to get yourself killed? Go back to Gandhar and reign in peace. Your revenge is complete. O Sahadev, I am only to blame for this war, Shakuni said. My family chose me to avenge their deaths. My father armed me with the weapon to destroy the Kauravas. After fulfilling my duty, I cannot go back. I cannot live. It doesn't justify the deaths of so many innocent people. Our elders and all my nephews are dead. I am the greatest of sinners. Look at the soldiers. What was their crime? The other kings and princes, they had nothing to do with the conflict between you and your brothers. The only way I can atone for my sins is to die. Besides, I would rather die beholding Krishna than stay alive. Don't think too much. Pick up your weapons and fight me. I dare you to kill me. Saying thus, Shakuni let loose thousands of arrows on Sahadev. Once more, Sahadev asked him to leave the battlefield. Mamu, you have donated all of Duryodhan's wealth to the Pandavas. You are wise. Why do you want to participate in this waste of a war and harm yourself? Shakuni kept mum and continued to rain arrows on Sahadev. The battle raged on for some time, with Shakuni refusing to let up. Finally, 
Sahadev picked up his sword and beheaded Shakuni. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this story. To know more about Sarala Mahabharat, please join my Facebook group Odia Mahabharat Talks. Thank you all and see you next time with another untold story from the Sarala Mahabharat.